Take your Bible, turn with us, 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. 1 Corinthians 14. A couple weeks ago, uh, we started our biblically distinct series and we looked at the first letter of our Baptist acrostic, which was the letter B. The Bible is our sole authority for faith and practice. And we said that we believe in the revelation, the inspiration, the preservation, and the authority of Scripture. And certainly we do. And that ought not be something that we just say. It ought to be something that we actually live. So tonight, in part two of our study, we're going to deal with the letter A. And the letter A, we, we are going to look at the matter of the autonomy of the local church. The autonomy of the local church. So 1 Corinthians 14, look with me at verse 33. First <clears throat> Corinthians 14, verse 33. The Bible says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all... What's the next word? Churches, churches plural. Churches of the saints. Drop down with me to verse 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. See, Miss Sally, we're right. There's a right way to do things, and there's a wrong way to do things. She had no idea when we were talking before service tonight that that was going to be a C. It says right there that OCD is a good thing. Let all things be done decently and in order. Tonight we're going to talk about the autonomy of the local church. Let's pray. Father, we certainly do love you, and thank you for... Uh, giving us now this place where that we can gather together uh, to, uh, Lord, sing your praises, to open your word, uh, Lord, to uh, have you speak to our hearts and into our lives. And Lord, I thank you for these who are here, who are part of our church, who, uh, Lord, that we can gather together and that we can uh, smile, that we can fellowship, that we can have fun together. And Lord, uh, what a a uh, wonderful blessing that that is in this world that we live in that seems so full of anger and bitterness and division. Lord, it's good to uh, take some time to assemble together and have a, a heart of unity and peace as we uh, now uh, seek to serve You and to live for You and to love You better. Thank You for Your love for us. And Lord, we certainly don't deserve it, but we thank You for it. And I pray that You'll help us Lord, to be a help to others. And Lord, as we look in Your Word tonight, I pray that You'd help us to see uh, the importance of this institution that uh, that You have uh, uh, not only uh, planned for, but that You've paid for. And I pray, uh, Lord, that it would be a help to us tonight. Bless our time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, here's a foundational truth for us tonight. If you were here Wednesday night, uh, we talked about foundations uh, quite a bit, but here's a foundational truth for us. God does not ask for, God does not approve of, God does not authorize confusion, indecency, and disorder in His work. Amen. Now, before you get nervous, this is more than rules. This is for the purpose of relationship resiliency, right, and righteousness. Let me give you a couple of statements. Rules without relationship births rebellion. Rules without relationship 
versus rebellion. If you, and I, I prove it to you, you go up to someone, you have no idea who they are, it's just a total stranger, maybe it's at the gas pump or something like that, and you start barking out all your rules to them, they're not going to go, okay. They're going to push back. Again, rules without relationship births rebellion. But relationship without rules births chaos. And we see both of these in our day today. We have those that say, well, uh, the local church is just a place. It's all rules. It's all rules. It's all rules. Hey, this life is full of rules. In case you haven't checked, you uh, hopefully got somewhere close to the thing the sign on the side of the road that said speed limit. Hopefully, you you know, in, hopefully you drove on the right side of the road. You know, that's a rule. And um, you all came with clothes on tonight. Thank you. Th- thank you for that. You say, well, I don't like the rules at church and I don't like this and I don't like that. Well, guess what? That tells me oftentimes that your relationship isn't what it ought to be. Because when the relationship is right, then and the rules are right, you'll find that you go on in that orderly, in that non-confused manner. Herein we find, just like Jesus was full of grace and truth, so too should we be. And that means we must live both in the area of rules and relationships. And when we put those two together, we find decency, order, and peace. So we are considering tonight this matter of who rules, who governs, who oversees, who directs this local assembly of saved and baptized believers that have united together for the purpose of fulfilling God's mission. It's vital that we understand who it is that's in charge. It's vital that we understand who it is uh, that is the head, that is the leader, that is uh, the director of this entity called the local church as we go on uh, together for the Lord. Some of you are nervous already. You're like, oh, okay, the preacher going to stand up there and say that he's in charge. You better believe it. You know who I am? No. You'll, we're going to look at it from Scripture. Now, let me give you a technical definition. Let's, let's, uh, let's get a little nerdy at first. Uh, give you the technical definition. Autonomy. That word, autonomy, is defined simply as self-governance. Meaning all, and as we talk about now, the local church, meaning all human authority for the doctrine and practice of the local church lies within that local church itself. In other words, the local church is to be completely self-governing and not subject to any external control, even choosing the level of external influence to which it will expose itself. Now, before you get nervous, because some of you already are, I can see it, turn to Ephesians chapter number 5. Turn to Ephesians chapter number 5. We're talking about the autonomy of the local church. All human authority for the doctrine and practice of the local church lies within the local church itself. Notice I said all human 
authority because if you remember, Christ is the head of the church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. I, I tried to go fast through that, ladies. Husbands, love your wives. There's fast for you, men. Let me go back and read that. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, did you see that? The church is subject unto Christ. So let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. That He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. That He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now, um, next week, come back next week, it'll be right there around Valentine's Day and we'll preach about husbands and wives. And uh, no, no takers on that one, all right. Christ is the head of the church. From letter B that we looked at last week, God's Word is our final authority for faith and practice. So we have Christ that heads the church and we have the written Word of God that now is our guidebook for our operation. And that should let you and I know tonight that we are not some headless monstrosity left to make up the rules as we go along according to whatever pattern that we choose. See, we have a shepherd and we have a standard. The shepherd is Christ. The standard is the Word of God. So autonomy of the local church means that we trust God to guide our local church and we don't require control from and we don't relinquish control to any human authority outside this local church body as we follow God and His Word. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. You don't have to turn there. 1 Timothy 3, verse 15, But if I tarry long, Paul writing to Timothy, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So we have a shepherd. We have a standard. And I want to give you some things uh, tonight, five biblically supported truths about this autonomy uh, that we have. And certainly we don't have time uh, to dig into the depths of everything, but I just want to give you some things to help you this evening. Number one, let's talk about the truth of church discipline and this matter of autonomy in the local church. Number one is church discipline. The local church has both the authority and the ability 
to address issues within that local church body itself. This local church has the authority and the ability to address issues within this local church body itself. Let me give you some scripture. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17 tonight. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. I'm going to read that again. We live in an age of social media. It says nothing in here about Facebook. It says nothing in here about Instagram, Snapchat, Insta, uh, I said Instagram, uh, uh, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, which is now X or what, whatever it is, the email, uh, blog on the internet, anything like that. It says, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him, look at the word, alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Now that's the words from Jesus Himself. There is a way to handle disagreements. There is a way to handle offenses. And if we would handle them in the biblical way, my goodness, things would be a lot better. They'd be done more decently and more in order. But you know as well as I know how that flesh likes to rise up. And the minute somebody slights you or hurts your feelings. That's the phrase in our day. Uh, and, uh, and, and something comes along. The first thing we want to do, we don't want to go talk to that person. We want to talk to everybody else we know and try to build up some kind of a huge mob that now we can outnumber that other person. That's not what Jesus said to do. There's a pattern here that's given. Now notice, that's in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 18. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things uh, that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgment of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. what, What Paul is saying here is he says, look, there's some things going on that you guys ought to figure out. He's writing to the church of Corinth. There are some problems. He says, look, you don't have to go and broadcast now all of this to the world. You don't have to go to the unsaved world to get this done. Now, again, I'm not talking about necessarily criminal acts tonight. So we're talking about just this matter of just one person against another. There's there's some problems here. And Paul says, look, do you not know the authority that we have as a 
local church, the authority that you're supposed to have in Christ as the local church. And he said, and you're playing games with this by taking someone who, you know what, they're, they, they might not be one who's very wise. They might not be one who, who has a, a lot of experience. And you set them up to uh, now determine what's right and what's wrong. He says, that ought not be goes on to say this, I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. I've said it before, I'll say it again. This local body of saved and baptized believers is not for the purpose of being a social club. There is more to it than that. And there comes a point when you and I have to understand there are things that go on within the church from time to time that need to be dealt with that need to be uh, dealt with in a biblical way. If they can be resolved uh, in a quick way, you know, it doesn't say bring it all before the church first. It's just, you know, try work these things out. If you're saved, and you know, try and work these things out among yourselves. But if it's not being worked out, if that sin won't go out, and then, hey, it's better to bring it before the church. Why? The purpose is to get it right. And if it won't get right, it needs to get out before the church is harmed as a whole. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Paul writing to the church now at Corinth. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much named among the Gentiles. Paul is saying, look, there, there's some immorality in the church that's worse than outside the church. That one should have, it says, his father's wife. Are, and ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he hath done this, that he that, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from you in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 5 purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump verse 12 for what have i to do to judge them also that are without do not ye judge them that are within they were not that was the problem and i'm here today to tell you this evening that the reason that we see the problem in churches all across this land all around this world today is because sin is being welcomed in, it's being allowed in, it's being left in, and it's destroying the church from the inside out, just like a cancer. You say, oh boy, that means we get to be mean-spirited. No. No. The goal is, is to be right in the eyes of God. 
to be clean in the eyes of God. Why? So that we can continue to carry out the mission that God has given us to do. So that the testimony of this local church uh, stays above reproach. I mean, look, there are going to be people that are going to talk bad about you. You know this to be true. There are going to be people that are going to talk bad about you just because they can. They wake up one day and, hmm, who am I going to... Let's talk bad about Miss Jean today. You know, and she, look at her smiling at me so innocent. And, uh, and, you know, and she hadn't done anything, but, you know, there's somebody, people will just talk bad about you. But that doesn't mean we need to give them a reason to talk bad about us, Miss Jean. Don't forget Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 are still in the Bible. The, the, the goal here, it is not destruction. The goal here is help. The goal is healing. The goal is health. Galatians 6 verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Not to just walk around here, you know, swinging a big hammer and knocking everybody over the head just because, you know, we feel like, no, 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 they're, they're again, full of grace and truth. So when it comes to this matter of church discipline, uh, we have been given the authority and we have the ability as a local church. Let's move on to number two because you don't like that point. And I'll be honest with you tonight, I don't like that point. And there have been a few times uh, in, in my life uh, along the way in different churches that we've been in where church discipline has been exercised according to that pattern given uh, by Jesus in Matthew. And it has made it all the way to the church to the point where there have been people who have been basically just said, you're, you, uh, if you're not going to get this right with God you're not coming here. Now, and and I'll tell you, those services are heartbreaking. Those services aren't aren't levied with smiles. But there's a lot of tears. And there's a lot of pain. And you say, well then why would we do such a thing? If we condone their sin then they can continue in that sin. And that sin will continue to harm the local church body. But if we don't condone the sin, and we say, God, they're, they're yours. And we've we got to turn them over. God, there's nothing more we can do. We've done what you've asked us to do. We continue to pray for them. We continue uh, you know, to, to seek after now the restoration of their life. But not by agreeing with their sin. Those are somber times. And I'll be the first to tell you, I don't like them one bit. But it's necessary. If you wake up tomorrow, if, if this happens to you, call me because I want pictures. But if you wake up tomorrow and you have this huge growth right here, this just all of a sudden, overnight, you got like this big melon over here that's just jutted out of your neck. You're not going to say, oh, that's neat. I think I'll leave that right there. 
you're going to go find out what the problem is. And you're going to find treatment. Why? Because that's not normal. And you're going to say, that's not healthy. And I, I need to get that removed because, number one, nobody wants to look at you with that. on Come on, you all smile a little bit. We're moving, we're moving out of this point. Again, church discipline, it's a vital truth. It ought be proceeded uh, into with extreme caution. Much prayer. Everything. Notice it says, Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. Oh, there ought to be uh, some getting of hearts and lives right with the Lord uh, from each and every one of us before, before we just start you know, rising up in that, in that flesh and saying, oh, that one's got to go and that one's, this isn't a matter of you having your way and me having my way. This is a matter of us together doing things God's way. Church discipline. Number two, church leadership. Church leadership. Number one is quite honestly the longest one there because Often, it's the one that we really need to pay a lot of attention to uh, for, again, the health of the church uh, as a body. But number two, church leadership. The local church has the authority and responsibility to appoint its own leadership. You better say amen. We're not going to go out to the mailbox tomorrow and find a letter that says, Starting on Sunday, February the, February the 11th, now a letter just from some external source that says, this is your pastor and these are your deacons and this is your song leader and these are the ones that are allowed to come to the church and these are the ones that aren't allowed to come to the church. There's somebody outside of this local body going to say, you know, what the leadership inside of the local church body is. It, it doesn't happen. It's not supposed to happen that way. Acts chapter number 6, uh, you would recognize, uh, verses 2 through 5. Acts chapter number 6. Now we know that this uh, matter of leadership involves at least, at the least, at the, at the very minimum, pastors and deacons, as we'll see in, in uh, coming weeks, the two offices of the local church are the pastor and the deacon, but we know that there are other areas of leadership in ministry. And so this is encompassing all of it now as we think about this. Acts chapter 6, verse 2. Uh, then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, here's the important phrase. Wherefore, brethren, okay, so we're talking about the saved people here. Look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose. We come to this matter of church leadership. See, this is what always baffles me. These uh, uh, larger uh, denominational structures that move pastors around you know every every so many years they bounce one from here and from there and there but they're headquartered you know this denomination 
It's, it's somehow headquartered in some city somewhere, you know, halfway across the country. And yet they're going to tell the others what to do. <clears throat> it's the same as, and, and we've seen this happen too. Oh boy, I hope this comes out okay. Um, if you're visiting with us, we love you. <laughs> Just preface it that way. But you may have heard this. I know I have since I've been here. We've had people come for the very first time, very first time, sit in one service. Don't even know really anybody in here and come. And, and we, we want visitors to come. Please don't, don't misunderstand me there. And then that visitor will meet me at the door at the end of service and says, Preacher, that was good, but what you really need to do is this, 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 and this. Well, thank you very much and God bless you. Thank you for being here. I mean, that's, that's the only thing I, that's, that's what I know to say. I also know what not to say. <laughs> we that are here, that are part of this local church, we know service to service, week in and week out, What's going on here? It's one of the reasons, if you look in the uh, in our church constitution, you'll find that those that are absent from the regular attendance of the church, after a certain number of months, they become inactive members and their voting rights are removed. Why? Because they have no idea what's going on in the church. I grew up in churches that on a Sunday morning have a crowd like this. <clears throat> and then every year that church would enter what they called pastor call. So every year they voted on who was going to be their pastor for the next year. Y'all ready? I won't look, I promise. <laughs> Wait till the end of the message, then decide. And so what they would do is they would, they would know that this was coming and they would announce it like we do our business meetings. We're going to have a business meeting because we want the church to assemble together and to know what's going on and so that we can vote on it together. And so like I said, the church, and they have about this many, you know, on Sunday mornings, except for the week of pastor call. And you couldn't get in the building for the number of people. Oh, they hadn't been there in five, ten years, but they were there to cast their vote on who should be the pastor. That doesn't make any sense to me. It does not make any sense. Well, I'm a member of the body. Let me encourage you tonight. No, no, don't do this. Um, go home and cut your pinky toe off and put it in a bag and leave it for five years in that bag. And then five years later, pull that pinky toe out of that bag and stick it back on your foot and see how, how vibrant that is, how lively that is as part of your body. It's not. Why? Because it's been cut off. Now, whether voluntarily or involuntarily, there is this importance of the fact that we now have the authority and we ought go... 
the, the way that we do things for church leadership is that we vote within ourselves following the Lord's direction for the leadership of the church. And you all can say amen because that's what, that's what we do. We have the responsibility for that. We don't, I don't take, uh, you know, the uh, commands of someone from another church on what this church ought to do. Our head is Christ. And we together as a local church body follow Christ. So there's church discipline, there's church leadership. Number three, church missions. Church missions. The local church has the authority. Oh, let me just go back for a minute. I'll probably hit it again. But let me go back to leadership for a minute. There is a rise in our day of people who, well, I have an internet pastor. I, I, I watch church on YouTube. It's funny. You're not calling them when you're in the hospital. And you're not calling them when you have a burden. You're not calling them because you've had a loved one die because they're not answering the phone. Why? Because they have no relationship with you. Leadership. That leadership ought be a vital part, an included part in this local assembly. Church missions. The local church has the authority and responsibility to commission and to send out missionaries choosing those whom it desires to support. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, it's amazing, I hear people all the time will tell me, well, preacher, the the Lord's not speaking to me. Well, are you... uh, ministering to the Lord and fasting? Are you in His Word? Are you uh, in good communication with Him? Have you uh, set aside now this time where you're going to wholly seek His face? It says, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and as they did it, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And then when you go to Acts chapter 14, verse 26, And thence sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God. So so Barnabas and Saul, they've been now um, chosen uh, by the Lord. They've been sent out now by this church. They've gone on this missionary journey. And then in Acts 14, verse 26, now they're coming back. And then sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how He'd opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And they uh, there they abode long time with the disciples. We see our pattern for missions uh, here in, in Acts chapter number 13. It is a biblical pattern. You know that uh, Steve and Lois Donnelly, they are sent out of this church. 
The call of God upon their life, the burden upon their life to reach now the Canadian Arctic with the Gospel of Christ and um, as they ministered together with this local church body, as the church now, mm, their hearts begin to stir and say, you know what, we're behind you on this and we see God calling you into this and we've prayed about this and sought God's face and we're going to send you now to do the work of God. And then they come back every now and again and give us reports. And they tell us all of the goodness of the things that that God is doing. But nobody tells us what missionaries we have to take and which ones we don't. But you know, there are there are churches where that happens. Uh, They get information in the mail. These are, or they'll just give to missions and send it to some central organization, and that central organization will divvy out the money as they see fit. Hey, I want to know that the money that we're putting into missions is going to the missionaries that we support. So that they can do the work that they've been called to do. Number four, church membership. Well, I like this one. I'm going to get sidetracked for a minute. Church membership. The local church has the authority and obligation to regulate its own membership. So I'm going to ask everybody to put your hand up. And when I call your name, put your hand down. You're okay. And if you're left at the end with your hand up, you're out. No, we do have the authority and we do have the obligation to regulate now our membership. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Then they that gladly received His Word were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They didn't have to send uh, an entourage to some other town, to some other church. They didn't have to ask permission. No, these were some folks that got saved and they got baptized and they said, we want to be part of this church and they were added to the church. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 And He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And in verse 21 of Acts chapter 4, If so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and truth, holiness, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Church membership. Church membership has lost its luster, I guess I could say, in this day. There are many churches, they don't have church membership anymore. You know, well, you just come and you just be a part. Uh Uh-uh. Let me just make it real clear tonight. If you seek to serve in this church, now there, if you're not a member, there are ways that we can use you and that we want you to be a part. But if you are not a member of this church, you are not going to be placed in any position of ministry in this church. That's like me eating and expecting somebody else's stomach to digest it for me. We are members one of another. 
See, with membership, there is an accountability. There is a responsibility. There ought to be an availability. There ought to be a dependability uh, with us as members of the church. You have those who come and say, Wow, preacher, I want to get involved. We want you to get involved. Yes, we want you to be involved. But these that just blow in, they have no idea who we are, what we do, why we do it. And they want to get involved. And then the next thing you know, they don't like the way they're involved and then they're gone. So there's no dependability. We are members one of another. It's vital uh, that you're plugged in to a local church. I don't understand for the life of me how one can go to church week after week, month after month, year after year, and sit and not be a member of the church. Hey, if we're not good enough for you to join, why do you still come? I don't say that in the spirit of meanness, but I'm asking a true question. What is holding you back from joining together with us? If you're saved and baptized and God has put you here, then why won't you identify with us? Church membership. It's important. Brother Richard, how would it have been if we came in 2015 when, when the church... Uh, you know, called us to be the pastor and the Lord directed our steps here. What would y'all have thought if we had showed up and said, you know what, we're going to be here, but we ain't joining the church. That was the first thing we did. That first Sunday we were here. Hey, we're joining the church. Why? Because God put us here. Well, let's get in. Let's get involved. Let's get plugged in. I can't tell you the number of folks that I have that come to me and they're like, well, preacher, how come we don't do this and how come we don't do that? And what I want to say is, how come you don't join the church? It's like coming into my house uh, there in Boardman and telling me what color I need to paint my walls. Well, let me help you. When you start paying the house payment, you can have a say. You say, preacher, I don't like that. That's harsh. We're to be members one of another. If this, now, now let me say this. Now, just me, I want everyone to be a member of this church. I, I do. I mean, we, that, that ought to be your heart as well. Everyone we meet, hey, we, come to church here. That's, that's, that ought to be our heart's desire. Now we know though that there's more than one church, you know, and not every church is, you know, that there's, now I know that you all are just going to find this hard to believe, but there's some people who just, you know, they don't get along with me very well. I don't know why. And, uh, well, let me, let me help you. There's some people who don't like you very much either. <laughs> if you'd like to know who they are for $20, I'll tell you after service. I, I, I would love for everyone to come here and to be a part of this church as we together serve the Lord and follow the Lord and do something for the Lord. I would love for that to be, but you know, I, I, I know that that's not necessarily going to happen. But that doesn't mean that we're just going to, you know, add people just because they show up. I mean, there, there's, there's a 
there's a pattern, there's an order to our membership. We believe in you have to be saved. Have to be baptized. That's the biblical pattern. You say, well, what else is there? You have to be willing to join the church. Saved, baptized. And I want I, I want to be a part of this church that God brought me to. And if you're here tonight, let me let me just say it this way. I want everybody to be here, but I know that this isn't the church that God has for everybody. I can make that very clear by saying Steve and Lois Donnelly were sent out of this church and they still are part of our church body, but guess what? They're somewhere else. They're not right here right now. And we have other missionaries that we support that aren't members of our church and they're out and they're... So, so, so we know that the work of the Lord is bigger than just this local church body. I want everybody to be part of our church. I know that God has different places for different people. So let me say it this way. I want for you to be a part of this church if this is where God wants you to be a part of. But if God doesn't want you, now to take this the right way, please. If God doesn't want you here, well then friend, I don't want you here either. Now I already started by saying I want everybody to be here. But more than that, I want for us to be in the will of God. Amen. You go where God wants you to go. You stay in the center of His will and you'll be in the right place. Amen. Myself included. There, if we would just... Again, Christ is the head of the church and if we would just submit to Him, my goodness, what a difference it would make. Number five. I'll give you number five. It's church ministry. Church ministry. The local church is accountable uh, to, uh, no, excuse me, the local church is responsible to give an account to God and may do as it sees fit so long as it does not violate Scripture. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which He hath purchased with His own blood. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Hebrews 13, 7, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. In verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account uh, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable 
for you. You can also read about the individual churches and responsibilities in Christ's seven letters that you find in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. So with those truths in mind, I want to focus now within our local church body, our rights and responsibilities as we carry out the job that the Lord has placed us here together to perform. So give these to you and we'll be done tonight. But first let me say, this local church, now hear this well, this local church operates by democratic principles. However, we are not a democracy. Because Christ is the head, we are a theocracy. I'll say it this way. Each member of this local church has a voice and has a vote. But that voice and vote must be used in accordance with God's Word and God's will to count. We're a theocracy. We as individual members uh, and together as a collective assembly are to prayerfully seek God's will and follow it. Christ is the head of the church. He's the chief shepherd. The pastor serves the Lord and the flock as the under-shepherd. The deacons serve the Lord and they serve the flock. They assist the pastor. Everybody in the church family is to serve the Lord and serve each other as members of the flock. Notice the pattern that we see here. There aren't a bunch of rulers, but an assembly of servants. From the, from the baptistry to the back wall... We are servants of God. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 10. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. We get back to a good place as a local church if we focus more on this matter of being a servant and this matter of service than if we, then focusing on being served. What can I do versus what can I get? So then what does the autonomy of a local church mean in actual practice? What can we do to fulfill our calling? I'm going to give you a list here really quick. The local church has the right to do the following. When we think about ministry now, we have the right to do the following. We have the right to determine our collective doctrinal position within biblical guidelines. Remember, the Bible is our sole authority. The Bible is uh, where we find the foundation for our church constitution and our church statement of faith. But we, as a church body, have now the right to determine our collective doctrinal position within the guidelines of the Word of God. As a local church, we have the right to determine what Bible we will use in our ministry. And we have, we'll talk about it more as weeks go on. But remember that everything be done decently and in order. Let me just throw this out there really quick. Oh boy, i got to hurry. Y'all get comfortable. We're just getting started. This is the introduction. Let me, let me just put it this way. 
you have the we'll talk about individual soul liberty in you know in in the weeks ahead but you have the right to make your own choices yeah. Yeah. amen you you do you have the right to make your own choices <clears throat> but when we gather together as a local church body there ought to be uh some now willingness to put aside some of those choices, those preferences, so that we gather together in unity that we can do things decently and in order. Let me just illustrate it this way. You can use whatever Bible you want to use. Now, I will give you my recommendation and why. And, and of course, you know this local church, we use the King James Bible for our ministry. And I'll be, I'll be the first to tell you, that's the only Bible that I use in my study. It's the only Bible that I use in my reading. It's the only Bible that I need. I am King James satisfied. Amen. Don't have time to take you down that road tonight. But be careful what stream you drink out of. But you have the right to use whatever you want. But when we gather together as a church body, we have chosen as a church body that we will use in our services, in our ministries, in our teaching, in our publications, in everything that we do, we will use the King James Bible. You say, well, preacher, I disagree. Okay, well, let me show you how disorderly it is when everybody just uses what they want. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all the hymn books out this week. And I'm going to just go through them all, and I'm just going to start changing words. I'm going to remove some lines. I'm going to change some numbers. I'm going to change some words. And then let's all come in here, and let's sing the same song together. It's going to be chaos. There is... there is. You go to any... Go, go see any uh, orchestra play. They all use the same sheet music. Why? Because it gives a clear sound to the hearer. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so, as a matter of unity, as a matter of practice, we have now the right to choose what Bible version we're going to use. We have the right to establish and operate programs and ministries. I like to do things. I like different ministries. But you understand, as a church family, and we go through seasons of time, sometimes it's not the right season for a certain program or a certain ministry. And so we now, as a local church body, have to be discerning enough to see, you know what? We're going to do this. Just because somebody down the street does or does not do something does not automatically mean that we have to do or do something. We have the right to choose curriculum and decide how to teach it. I don't have time tonight, but if you are to look into the Jehovah's Witness and the Seventh-day Adventists, they do not have any right in their churches to choose what they teach. It is sent to them week by week from the denominational head. And they do not deviate from it or they are disassociated. We choose the curriculum we want. Again, by biblical guidelines. And we decide how to teach it. Brother Gary teaches a Sunday school class. 
the criteria that Brother Gary and I have talked together, and he said, what do you want? I said, something biblical. Teach the Bible. I, I don't, I don't print out lessons for him to teach. Somebody doesn't print out lessons. Well, my wife writes them, but no, somebody doesn't print out lessons for me to teach. We choose the curriculum that we want. We decide how we're going to teach it. We have the right to manage membership and select leaders. We've already talked about that. We have the right to collect and disburse funds and incur debt as we uh, see now fit as we prayerfully follow the Lord. We have the right to license and ordain men to the gospel ministry. We have the right to support missionaries and evangelistic works of our own prayerful choosing. We have the right to choose the style and substance of our worship. We have the right to conduct business and business meetings. We have the right to set expectations for members, for ministry staff, and for uh, facilities and their use. We have the right to set ministry standards of behavior, of dress, of music, etc. Again, I said we have the right to set now ministry standards. I don't meet anyone at the door and turn somebody away from the door because, oh, you didn't dress right to come to church today. Not, not one of you in here uh, have I ever done that to, and not anyone you know have I ever done that to. I don't stand at the door and take it. Whosoever will may come. But when it comes to the ministry of the church, there is a ministry standard. If you're going to be involved in the platform ministry of this church, we have a ministry standard. If somebody gets on this platform in shorts, a tank top, and flip-flops, we're going to have a problem. We have the right to set that standard. Exactly as Walmart has the right to choose the uniform that their employee wears. We have that right. While we have the right to do these things, remember... We are first and foremost to follow the leading of God and the limits of His Word. This is our sole authority for faith and practice. We have to stay within the Word of God. Again, that means that there are limits on our autonomy. We are independent from other local assemblies, but we are vitally dependent upon God. No headless monster here. God sets some boundaries for us to exist within. He gives us the boundary of Scripture. This local church must not pollute, prevent, or prohibit the teaching of the Word of God, else we lose the right to, uh, to claim to be a true New Testament church. We have to stay within the boundary of Scripture. And we have another boundary. It's the Baptist distinctives. A local church can do anything it chooses, but when it ceases to uphold and practice the biblical Baptist distinctives, that church loses rightful claim to the name Baptist. And we have the boundary of the burden of accountability. This local church is always, always subject to the Lord. He's the head of the church to whom we all will ultimately give account. And we are also, wait a minute, accountable to one another. So let me pull together now all this with some practical tips uh, that I can give you uh, for Columbiana Baptist Church specifically. Our local church has the right to seek guidance and to seek direction from external sources of our own choosing 
again, within biblical guidelines. But we retain the right to reject and rebuke any such external guidance that we do not seek. Our local church has no right, hear me, no right to criticize or condemn any other biblical, that's the deciding factor, biblical local church for conducting itself in the way it sees fit. Our local church requires some form of structured congregational church government comprised of current members of this local church in good standing. Now, it's relatively simple to make a biblical case for pastoral leadership. However, it's virtually impossible to make a case for deacon or committee or board leadership or some form of hybrid leadership. On a strictly biblical basis, it's difficult to identify deacons, boards, or committees as anything more than providing assistance to the pastor and the church body. I didn't say it. God did. The concept of rule appears a number of times in the New Testament in conjunction with the government of the local church. In every clear-cut case, rule is a pastoral responsibility. Boy, I got a lot of amens on that one. That's Bible, friends. The Bible that you hold in your hands, that's what it says. Now, this is not to say, now hear me, It's not to say that I, as your pastor currently, am any more important than you as a church member. Say amen right there. However, it does carry the gravity that I, as the pastor, will be held to the highest standard of accountability to the Lord for the operation and oversight of this church body. Trust me, that is something that I carry with grave consideration each and every day of my life that I will stand before God and give an account for how I served Him and you as pastor of this local church. Oh, I want to hear well done. That's what I want to hear. You understand tonight, I am not here to lord over your life. I am not here uh, to be the king over some little kingdom. There's only one Lord of Columbiana Baptist Church, and His name is Jesus Christ. And as such, let's follow His decent, orderly plan for our ministry. Let me say it this way. Let's, Let's not be some mutant chicken with our head cut off. Or, or with 47 heads. Brother Dennis, how many people are here tonight? 42. Put 47 in the notes. And <laughs> would have said, wow, that was really from the Lord if it was the same number there. The Lord Jesus Christ is the head Amen. of the church. Amen. The pastor has the responsibility to lead the church as a servant The ministry leaders assist the pastor and the congregation as servants and the congregation affirms and aligns with this biblical leadership as servants for the service of the Lord. I close with this. 
Let's all continue. And I, boy, I, I like to be able to say that, continue. This isn't something new for us tonight. Let's all continue following Christ together praying for each other that we will all be uh, the Christ-honoring servant that we should be and watch as God continues to bless and to protect and to grow this local body of believers that we affectionately call Columbiana Baptist Church. Something interesting for you tonight. We're done. Columbiana is where we are. Baptist is what we are. Church is who we are. A called out assembly, gathering and serving all for the glory of God. The autonomy of the local church. Let's pray.